We're live. I see he says, join me in an hour, but I don't see a timestamp. Hey, man, if you're not here for every one of my inconsequential messages, you can't be expected to be here for the live stream. Hello, hello. Tomato cat. Oh, it's too soon to give out lemons, isn't it? I bet it is. Simultaneous sip. <laughs> that is a stroke of hypnotic genius, isn't it? It's funny, you know, I like Scott Adams a lot. I really do. And... um I used to listen to his show, Every everything that he says, like, you know, it's sensible, it's clever, it's insightful, and so on, he's well-educated, and he's a very smart guy, but at the end of it, it's not like a coherent worldview that I can kind of put together and assemble into a kind of move-forward scenario, so, yeah, just wanted to sort of point that through. It's everything coming through. All right. Hello, Steph Burt from Moosekeeper. Let me just tap the mic. Is this the one? Uh, this one we got, and I think we used the webcam mic the other day. So just let me know. I'm coming through. All right, things are okay. We're gonna talk tonight, and uh, you will not be the same. He says he's far left. No, well, see, to be clear, he says he's further left than Bernie Sanders, and I think what he means by that, or at least I know what he means by that. I can't read his mind, obviously, but what he said about that is he wants all drugs to be legalized and so on, right? So. Um, yeah, it's not a, it's, so no, no shade on Scott Adams again, really, really nice guy, smart guy and heartbreaking family situation. I think his, was his stepson died of, of a drug overdose and, uh, it was just brutal, but he's not like, he's not, he's not a philosopher any more than I'm a cartoonist. And again, he's got very smart things to say and enjoy what he says, but he's not building things up from sort of first principles, non-aggression principle, property rights and up from there. Right. I mean, he's, uh, he's got other methodologies, uh, so to speak. So, and he believes in the simulation. He does believe in the simulation. And <laughs> maybe that's intellectual, intellectually somewhat embarrassing, but, uh, what can I tell you? Mr. Underhill. Ah, I remember you from Lord of the Rings. No, oh, the Hobbit. Anyway, it says my first time watching Stefan since he was banned from YouTube. Hope things are going well. See, that's just a framing issue. I was liberated. <laughs> from YouTube, uh, and, and that's just way a way of looking at it. No, y- YouTube and a, a Twitter and, and places like that, I mean, they have just become so corrupt, um, so corrupt. We'll get into that, right? But they've just become so corrupt. My troubles with YouTube started when I gave a speech at the European Union Parliament buildings about corruption in big tech. They're not the kind of organization that robustly accepts valid criticism. <laughs> Valid fact-based criticism, to put it mildly. So, um, it's no, you don't, you don't really get what an abusive relationship is sometimes until you're out of it. So, I just wanted to sort of mention, uh, mention that. Drop frame zero. Yeah, we can live with that, right? So, fentanyl overdose from China. Fentanyl, right? YouTube is done now. Can't see you, Steph. Sound good? You can't see me. What do you mean you can't see me? <laughs> what does that mean? You can't see me. My video does appear to be moving. Uh, Can you guys see me? (laughs) Just out of curiosity. I'll just wait for that, uh, and we'll get into it in a sec here. Hello from London. Hello, Austin. Nice to meet you. Nice to meet you. It's where I grew up. To a large large degree. I grew up in a little bit in Africa, Ireland in the summers. I went to boarding school in Cheltenham. I grew up in... um, well, not far from Crystal Palace in London. Video is fine. All right. Reload. You had to reload a few times. 
video and audio great okay so um how, how you guys doing <laughs> sorry i was just about to go into something and i wanted to check in hello from ireland ireland nice to see you and uh hope you guys are doing well i remember when i was allowed to comment on ireland it was not a very long um not a very long situation so what's going on here have i got too much running Uh, yeah, do live can show notifications. What do you think? Okay, what is chewing up on my memory? Sorry about this. Let me just sort this out. Let's just see if we can get things shut down that we don't need directly. Freedomain.com forward slash donate. You may see this on the bottom of the screen. I would not go amiss this Christmas time. To miss your streams and videos, man. Well... I'm not that hard to find. Freedomain.com forward slash connect. Freedomain.com forward slash connect. 60 to 70% says HeroSub. 60 to 70% of the American politicians and the rest of the government is corrupt and compromised. Oh, that's completely unfair. I mean, it's totally unfair. It's way higher than that. Uh, and not just the American government. Just, you know, governments as a whole, as you know. Hello from London also. What's up, Steph? My nipples. It's cold out. Uh, can't wait for the social media exodus to settle down and we figure out which of these platforms is most successful. Well, I guess it works for the Jews fleeing Moses, right? So maybe it'll work for uh, freethinkers as well. So let me just see here. How's our performance doing? Let me close this down. I do like BitChute, but man, they've got some toxic commenters. <sighs> Picture just appeared. Thanks. Hello. <laughs> welcome. Welcome, welcome, welcome. So, yeah, let's let's dive in. So I don't have too much to edit at the beginning. Uh, I like the intro rambles, but I may not be entirely... Uh, everybody may. Merry Christmas. Merry Christmas to you guys, too. I hope that you're having an okay time. I hope that it's not too bad for you with regards to all this crazy stuff that's going on. All the social distancing uh, and all of that. And, you know, they really can't... Um, they really can't find good proof that masks work you know i hate to say it man they really can't they can't find good proof that social distancing works and you know whether you believe this or not uh, maybe yes maybe no but there was a study in wuhan of 10 million people 10 million people okay for those of you who have been following this stuff quick question <laughs> quick question of the 10 million people that they studied in uh, Wuhan with regards to transmission and COVID. Um, give me a number, brothers and sisters. How many people out of 10 million people got COVID from someone who had no symptoms, right? Asymptomatic transmission, they call it, right? Which is worst name for a porn movie ever. But of the 10 million people in Wuhan, how many of those people got sick from asymptomatic transmission? Quick question. Oh. Oh. Yes. You, oh, you guys are too cool for school. Too clever for never. I don't know what that means, but I'm, I'm, I'm in a Johnny Cochran rhyming mood. If the glove doesn't fit, I'll take a shit. Uh, yes. Stream Cyberpunk. It's based. Hmm. Interesting. Uh, I will think about that. Yes, you're right. Zero. Zero. 
zero cases of symptomless transmission. So what that means, of course, is that it's all kind of nonsense, right? So the moment you have symptoms, you should stay home. Like if you have a cold or a flu, the moment you have symptoms, you should stay home, right? Because you're a civilized human being who doesn't want to infect others. Plus, it's kind of cool being able to binge watch and not exercise and feel okay about it. So let's say that COVID is like just about virtually every other coronavirus on the planet in that you get sick, you stay home, and that pretty much deals with everyone out there. Then all of the shutting down of restaurants, the masks, the um, social distancing, the, all of this stuff hasn't really added up to a huge amount of prevention. And we can see this going on now, and you can see the graphs. The people who signed up for massive restrictions or had massive restrictions imposed on them, their curve is basically the same as places that were more open. New York's curve is even worse than Florida's. New York has been locked down tighter than a nun's vahoo and uh, Florida has been uh, wide open like an ex-nuns vahoo And so it doesn't really seem to matter that much. So, I mean, it's a big question. Like, how, how the hell does this thing spread? <laughs> right? I mean, I'm not sure that people know too much about how it spreads. Um, it's certainly not a data-based decision matrix that's going on. I have my own theories. I'm not a, obviously an epidemiologist or a doctor. My theory is that it basically spreads in the household. And that people who social distance, maybe there's a slightly lower viral load. People who wear masks, maybe there's a slightly lower viral load. But basically, it's in the home that this spreads. There's evidence for that in Canada. Most of the worst hits, worst hit uh, parts of Canada are Indian communities because Indian communities largely culturally have this history of multi-generations living under the same household for ease of childcare and respect your elders and all that kind of stuff. And it is the Indian communities that have, in general, by far the largest transmission rates. So it seems to be its household. And say, ah, oh, well, if I get sick or if I have symptoms, I'll go home and I'll self-isolate. It's like you can't really self-isolate in a place where you're sharing air circulation with other people. Sorry, that's just not how it works. And you got an airborne virus and you're circulating your air through the HVAC system. You're not really isolating. So... I think it spreads in households. They seem to be coming to that conclusion now because they're saying you can't mix it up for Christmas. Okay, well, if they're saying, well, it basically spreads through households, then aren't they kind of admitting that a lot of the prior, not all of it, but a lot of the prior stuff was completely misdirected, misguided? And, you know, governments can never find a moderation, right? Governments, they just can't, you know, like all abusive relationships, there's no moderation, right? You ever been in this relationship? I remember being in business once with a guy. Who, um, who thought I was like the greatest thing ever. He thought I was just the biggest business genius that had been pooped out of the uh, uh, business world since a combination of Steve Jobs, cocaine, and Bill Gates. Thought it was the greatest thing ever. Until uh, I, disagree- <laughs> I disagreed with him once in a meeting, and I had good data and good reasons for disagreeing. And then like, it turned into a grim battle of death, and I found out he was trying to get me fired from my position. I was... Um, director of marketing at this point and uh, no no I'm sorry I was director of technology yeah that's right about 25 people working for me I was director of technology and this guy was trying to get me uh, fired now you guys may not know this about me not a lot of people do I'm a really nice guy um, (laughs) until I'm not Uh, I'm a really I mean to me 
Treat people the best you can. First time you meet them, after that, treat them as they treat you. So I'm a really, really nice guy. And those who haven't seen my not nice side, it's kind of a British thing too. The British are very, very nice. Give you the shirt off their back until you go one step too far and then they will destroy your life. So uh, this guy tried to get me uh, fired and I ended up getting him fired. And it really wasn't that. I'm pretty good at politics. It really wasn't that that complicated. Um, you know, I knew he had a bad temper. I just provoke him in front of the uh, CEO uh, once or twice, and I'm all kinds of reasonable myself because I know what I'm doing and he doesn't. And so there was this guy who was like, I was either the, I was the greatest guy in the universe when we first met, and then when I disagreed with him in a meeting, I was like the worst guy in the universe, and it was a grim battle for professional death. It was the modern form of a duel, right? And, and people don't know about this. Uh, it, it doesn't, you know... They don't know this about me. I, maybe, again, maybe you guys do. I know this about me. I'll always win. I'll always win. I mean, you know, I, I, I mean, obviously it looks like I'm beaten down now. And, oh, you know, I lost a lot of my audience. I got deplatformed from a bunch of places. And it's really, oh, it's so bad. And, you know, I, I'll always win in the long run. I always, I mean, I've, I've so many instances on this. I could bore you guys to tears with endless stories about this. I always will win in the long run. Uh, that's just the, um, you know, God looking out for drunks, little children, and philosophers. <laughs> so I'll always win in the long run. But the government's like this guy. The government, like, can't have a middle ground. So at the beginning, the virus was not a danger. No need to close borders. And anybody who suggested it was racist. Hey, funny story. Did you notice how closing down travel from China, totally racist? Closing down travel from the UK... Not racist at all. Isn't that funny how that works? Just shows you who's got the real power in this world. It ain't whiteies. So the government went from like, oh, yeah, no, it's nothing wrong with this virus. It's going to be fine. Go to come down to Chinatown, says Nancy Pelosi. Oh, it's going to be fine. No problem, right? And um, now it's like, you know, if you set a foot outside your house without a hazmat suit, we're going to laser your ass from space. I mean, <laughs> there's nothing in the middle. Absolutely nothing in the middle whatsoever. And what do you got there? It's Mr. Poopy Butthole. <laughs> I wasn't sure I was going to say that today. That work situation happened to me recently as well. A lady tried to blame me for an error, and I was able to turn around, turn it around on her. More stories of winning? Do you guys really want more stories of winning? No, really. I mean, it is... Uh, I just view these things as blips these days. I mean, I, I just... Oh, man, you want to hear winning? I mean, look, I, I'm, I'm a guy, I'm a poor guy from a nowhere family in a welfare hellhole at the bottom of the economic ladder, like way down in the dregs. And I've managed to sort of claw my way up to the most successful and widely watched modern philosopher, to giving speeches uh, all over the world, to facing down violence, to making documentaries, to writing books. You know, my books have been read over 10 million times. Do you, do you, know, do you know what it takes to, to write books that get read 10 million times? Quite a lot. Three quarters of a billion views and downloads. My God. I mean, couldn't, couldn't have... I, I, I will always win. And see, philosophers, you don't aim to... Like, when you're a philosopher, you don't aim to win now. You don't aim to win this year or next year or 10 years from now. You generally don't even aim to win in your lifetime in terms of like popular acceptance and so on, right? 
So I will tell you my, I was just talking about this with some listeners. Um, I will tell you my uh, time frame if you want to know the winning strategy for this kind of stuff. So my timeline is 500 years. 500 years. That's what I aim to be judged by. Aiming to be judged in the present gives people way too much power over you, people in the here and now. Way too much power over you to to want to be judged in the present or to judge yourself by what happens in the present. It's a terrible idea. And the more ambitious you are, the further out you have to plan. And I plan for, like, when I do things, even this conversation, I'm telling you, I plan for this evening's conversation to be valuable, relevant, and re-listened to in 500 years. It's between 500 and 1,000. Between 500 and 1,000. And I simply know this because, you know, my heroes throughout history were denigrated and hated in their lifetimes, and it usually took a couple of hundred years for reform to occur, right? For people to reevaluate what they did and find out whether they were actually good or bad and, and so on. Whenever you propose a moral improvement to mankind, which is what I've been doing for 15 years straight, whenever you propose moral improvements, whether it's a stateless society, whether it's uh, private currencies or private education, whether it's um, no spanking, uh, no aggression against children, whether it, whenever you propose a fundamental moral improvement to mankind, you know, all of the assholes and evildoers will just hate you, right? In the same way that slave owners weren't evil until slavery was abolished. Like, they weren't bad. They weren't considered bad people. And so nobody wants to be judged negatively in the present. I mean, not even me, right? But it happens. It's going to happen. It's the name of the game. It's the gig, right? So I'm aiming for success in 500 years. But you think China's got a long time frame? (laughs) If you're into philosophy, man... You know, and, and like, it's we few, we happy few and all that. We, we're part of this amazing conversation. I hate to say time will tell because I know. I know what happens, right? Um, this will all be listened to. This will all be poured over. This will all be analyzed hundreds of years from now. Guaranteed. I mean, people, oh, it's grandiose and that. I, don't, I mean, come on. What, what, what? There's no magical barrier between you and the great people of history. There's no... Uh, they didn't get some special giant sky tit that they got to suckle from that gave them Jojo Tiger Juice uh, Charlie Sheen style that makes them fundamentally different from you. Or for, uh, there's no magic difference between the great and powerful people in history and what you can achieve or what I can achieve. It's the great insight. It's the great amazing thing. They say, ah, yes, Steph, but you have a lot of talent. It's like, yeah, yeah. <laughs> That's my argument. Yeah. Doesn't tell. Who cares? Who cares? Doesn't matter. If you want to know, you want to know what talent is. Talent is just mad ambition. That's all it is. It's just mad ambition. Why am I good at what I do? Because my ambition is so high, I won't accept anything less. Like I'll just keep doing things until I find the thing where I can achieve my mad ambition. I tried the theater world. I tried acting, playwriting, directing. I tried the business world. I tried novel writing. I tried poetry, and then I clicked. I, my ambition is so high, it's like, okay, I'm pretty good at this, I'm okay at this, I'm doing okay, I'm doing well at this, but my ambition is so high that I'll just keep doing things until I find the thing that clicks with me and with the audience, and that happens to be this. So if you want to be great, just aim high, just aim deep, just aim long. I was saying in this call earlier, if you want to know how deep you can dive, go to a foreign country, take your passport, and throw it off the boat, <laughs> right? And you'll find you can dive pretty far. But if you don't have enough of an incentive and mad ambition is that incentive, you won't get too far. So 
Somebody, Evanon says, ha, I had the same theory, Steph. There is no talent, just ambition. I got some hate for that. How cool to hear you say that. Yeah, I mean, you have to recognize your limitations. I'm not going to go out and be a hair model or be the front man for Queen or anything like that, but uh, have high ambition. Oh, absolutely, yeah. I, I mean, it, it, look, it doesn't. you don't have to have a... I'm a philosopher, so I don't... Like, I have a 500-year window where I'm looking for... I, if my reputation is bad in 500 years, then either the world is not worth living in or... Uh, I'm a bad guy, right? I mean, everybody has to... Anybody who's never thought whether they're the bad guy is generally the bad guy, right? Of course I've thought. I mean, enough people have called me the bad guy that it's worth examining and seeing, okay, well, do they have a point? Am I the bad guy? (laughs) Billie Eilish goat style. So, but in 500 years, people will look back at these conversations. Hi, hi, people from 500... Hi, scholars and philosophy people from 500 years from now. Um, I'm sorry it took so long, but uh, I've arrived. (laughs) I'm here, baby. And you have to live in the future in order to be larger than the present. Like anybody who conforms to the present is invisible to the future. And anybody who wants to have an impact on the future, which is where all progress comes from, is going to be generally hated in the present. That's just just the deal. Thank you for the sub. Appreciate it. Uh, my My vlogs will be buried in a deep moon crater. (laughs) <laughs> well, I'm sure there's a lot of people who would actually prefer that. So let's um, take a break from grandiosity and give ourselves some, let's give some rewards. What do you think? Come on, baby. 26 seconds to your rewards. You know, they say virtue is his own reward, but as a second backup, we have lemons. Did you know you can do call-in shows on DLive with Discord? I did not know that. Thank you. Austin says, your shows are amazing. Only started listening in September, but I look forward to every new podcast when it's released. Thank you. Thank you so much. I appreciate that. Problem raising my 17-year-old son to be ambitious. Uh, You can't be ambitious by looking at the world as it is. You have to be ambitious by looking at the world that could be. Uh, Steph, one thing that you've breezed over on a couple of occasions was that Maslow's hierarchy of needs is hogwash. How so? I don't know if I've said Maslow's hierarchy. I mean, I've said a lot of stuff is hogwash. But I don't recall saying Maslow's hierarchy of needs is hogwash. But I will um, I will look into it. I will look in. You are not responsible for how others feel about what you say. Well, no, of course not. Their feelings are their own responsibility. Absolutely. Ah, everyone needs... Their physical needs and physical safety needs met first before they can get to self-actualization. Oh, yeah. Okay. So I think I don't remember this in particular, but I know what I would say regarding this. Let me tell you guys. Sorry to get all kinds of salty here, but I feel pretty passionately about this. Maslow's hierarchy of needs. Well, we all need our physical comfort needs met before we can think about self-actualization. Fuck that. Like, fuck all that. You know, all I need is one fucking thing freedom. That's all I need. All I need is one fucking thing, and that's freedom. I'll figure out the rest of my shit. Just give me liberty. Just give me my property rights. Give me my right of movement. Give me my right of contract. Give me my right to defend myself against violence. Just give me freedom. I have one hierarchy of needs. (laughs) Get out of my face. With your guns, your regulations, your, just 
Give me liberty. Give me liberty. It's not that complicated. It's not seven. It's not like trying to digest something through your lower intestine. It's just one simple thing. Stop initiating violence against me, and we're good. And I don't need anything else from you. Because this idea, well, everybody needs has their needs for physical safety and security met. What are we, children? I don't need anyone to provide me food and shelter. Trust me, I can manage that. I can handle that. I can, I can manage and handle getting a roof over my head and getting some food into my belly. I don't need a big hierarchy of needs to let me get to self-actualization. I just need one thing. And what's implicit in the hierarchy of needs is somebody's supposed to provide that shit for you. If you're over the 18, nobody owes you anything other than nonviolence and contract and property right respect. So nobody owes you nobody owes you health care, nobody owes you a roof over your head, nobody owes you anything. Why? Because slavery is a bad fucking thing. <laughs> slavery is a very bad thing. And the moment you say you have a right to something that someone else has to provide at the point of a gun, they have to provide whatever you want, you're a slave owner. You are a slave owner. And slavery is really bad. And saying you have the right to other people's labor in force at the point of a gun, well, at least slave owners wielded their own whips. They didn't just run to politicians and cry. Right, so. <sighs> Maslow is more physiological than philosophical. Yeah, it's just a deepity. I don't know what that means, right? So, guys want to, you know what? You guys let me know. You guys let me know. Are we going to talk politics? Are we going to talk COVID stimulus package? Are we going to talk defense spending? Are we going to talk philosophy, psychology? What is it that you guys want to chat about? I mean, this is live stream, so I might as well obviously want to tailor it to you. Somebody says, it is deeper than that. Seeking freedom is your, our way to secure a way to meet our needs for accomplishment, significance, etc. Talk about your gingerbread house building contest. <laughs> yes. Yes, so my daughter and I did have, well, my wife chipped in as well on my side. My daughter and I did have a uh, gingerbread house building contest. And, uh, yeah. All of the above, you say. I won. Uh, the roots of collectivist movements. So the roots of collectivist movements are incomplete childhoods. An incomplete childhood is when you did not get your needs met when you were a child. You weren't protected, you weren't secure, you weren't loved, you weren't honored, you weren't respected. And because of that, you have a big giant hole in your heart that you have one of two things you can do to deal with that hole in your heart, that loss and pain of an incomplete childhood. What you can do is you can face up to that pain, you can deal with that pain, you can come to all of the difficult moral conclusions about your parents and your maybe your society because of that. You can deal with that pain as a mature, responsible adult, or what you can do is you can run around all of hell's half acre being prey to every fucking sophist who comes along and says, I can be the parents you never had. I can be the mommy and daddy you never had. All you have to do is surrender your liberties, rights, freedoms, independence of thought, sovereign consciousness, and fucking soul to me, they say. And then they own you. And they own you 
because you want to avoid the pain of dealing with the past. So you believe that maybe your parents didn't care for you enough, maybe they didn't love you, maybe they didn't respect you, maybe they didn't take care of you, but someone is going to come along and say, you're part of our family now. I care about you. I'm going to take care of you. I'm going to pay your bills. I'm going to get you health care. I'm going to make sure that you're never unhappy again in the future. I'm going to take care of all of your material and most of your emotional needs. All you have to do is be my slave. And you won't ever have to deal with the pain of a bad childhood. You'll be just fine. And you can see this happening over and over. And this is, this is the nature of the government, right? So collectivist movements are where you're willing to surrender your individuality in order to pretend that someone else can be your mommy and daddy. And they call it the nanny state. It really should be the mommy state, right? But uh, that the government comes along and says, I will, you know, I will, um, you know, when you're a kid, if you make a mistake, you're not supposed to pay for the consequences yourself, right? So when I was a kid, because I was an angry kid, but I was in England, therefore wasn't allowed to express it, I used to throw rocks. I was a rock thrower, basically a ballista. I was a catapult. I was a, a medieval engine of city-shaking destruction. No, I mostly threw pebbles. Anyway, so here, here I am at about the age of five walking down the street with my mother, and I'm throwing a rock into the air, and I'm catching it. And I throw a rock into the air, and I don't catch it, but it lands on the hood of a car. And if I remember, I don't know much about cars, and I certainly didn't when I was five years old, but let me tell you something, man. <laughs> when that rock came down and left a divot, I still remember it was, it had flames down the middle, like yellow painted flames. It had red on either side, and that rock came down like a cannon and left a big dent in that guy's car. Now, that guy got out of the car and was really angry. Now, was he angry at me? Eh, not really. Was he angry at my mom? Yes, he was angry at my mom. Why? Because my mom was letting me throw rocks near cars and big enough rocks to create dents. Of course, she should not have been allowing me to do that, but she was because she was my mother. And so when you're a kid, nobody's going to sit there and say, well, kid, you're five years old. You're going to have to pay the 200 pounds to fix this car because you threw a rock at it or you threw a rock and it landed on my car. No, he got mad at my mom. So when you're a kid... You're supposed to get bailed out of your mistakes. That's part of what childhood is. You're not fundamentally responsible, existentially and legally, certainly morally, for the things that you do, right? Yeah, we all have these stories, these experiences. We all understand this, right? Now, people in the West, most particularly in America, have been spending the living shit out of their money. Like 40% of Americans are 500 bucks away from bankruptcy. But they got cool cell phones and they got cool kicks and they got cool hats and they got cool Xboxes and they've been spending the shit out of their money. I don't know why. I grew up poor, which means <laughs> there used to be a joke about me, which is, you know, opening my wallet was like cracking a safe. You know, when I was a teenager or in my early 20s and people were like, hey, let's go spend money on this thing. You don't yeah. They used to people used to make fun of me. My friends used to make fun of me when I was younger. That you know, this is they'd say, "Oh, this is Steph opening his wallet," because <coughs> there was so much dust in there because I hadn't opened it in so long. 
because I don't like to spend money because I grew up poor. Now, I'll spend it on the show. I'll spend it on, you know, things that I need to do. I'll spend it on documentaries. You know, that's, you know, you don't want to die with all your money, right? But, you know, when it comes to things I don't need, like my wife has to, like, beg and bribe me to go out and buy clothes. And, and my, my first car I owned for, like, 14 years. or Like, I just, no. So you, sa- you save your money in life. Why? Because shit happens, right? Shit happens you can't predict. You get sick. You get injured, you lose your job for no reason, not your fault, you know, some regulation changes, puts you out of business. I knew a woman who was a stewardess, had a pretty tough time of it after 9-11. I imagine she's not having much of a fun time now because nobody's flying, except Scott Adams, because he, medical, anyway, but you save your money because you don't know what shit's going to end. You get insurance. For God's sakes, people, go get insurance. If you don't have life insurance, a disability insurance, just go get your insurance. Like, just go get your insurance. I mean, I'm such a guy uh, with regards to this. I saw, I bought my life insurance in my early 20s, and I paid extra to the point where they invested the difference, and now I don't have to pay for life insurance in my 50s. Like, I don't mean to be anal. I don't mean to be ridiculous. Not everyone has to do it in their 20s, but uh, that's what I did. That's what I did. Because, you know, you want to get your life insurance when you're in 20s, not in your 50s, right? Much cheaper and all that. So people spent the shit out of their money. And, you know, they subscribe to every streaming service known to man. And they they go a day without ordering something online. They get the hives or eczema or something. Because you don't know what's going to happen to you, to your career, to your job. You know, maybe it's just some family member gets sick. And even in socialized medicine, maybe you've got to help cover their bills. Something. Something's going to happen. Something's going to happen. Have some goddamn money in the bank, you idiots. I don't mean you guys, but you know what I mean, right? But people didn't save. They spent like crazy. They say, ah, yes, but they weren't making that much. It's like, okay, well, if you're not making that much, instead of going home and playing, you know, six hours of World of Warcraft, you can go out and uh, get your skills upgraded so that you can make more money, so you can save some money for that inevitable rainy day that comes along. Whether that rainy day is retirement as a whole or just shit happens in life. I mean, just save your money, man. Just save your money, Uh, please. So people didn't save their money. And then when shit happens, in this case, it happened to be China shit happens, COVID shit happens, when shit happens, they got no money. So what do you got to run to the government, right? So in other words, people are running to the government rather than saying, and the government, of course, should say, well, wait a minute, did you save money? Did did you spend a bunch of stuff? Did you buy things that you you don't need? (laughs) I mentioned this story many years ago, but a friend of mine, there's not a friend anymore, but he was such a music fan. I mean, he was like he was—he wasn't even a fan. He was a fan like Jodie Foster had a fan. Like he was a—he was a stalker. He stalked music. So he would go. This is before YouTube and and all of that. And he would go to these record shows where they would have a pretty scratchy CD or even a record of a live recording of a Metallica show from 30 years ago. And he's like, oh, I've always wanted to hear that song live. And he would just buy this stuff. And he would buy movies. I can't figure that out for the life of me. I mean, occasionally I'll watch a movie more than once, but that's something you do when you're young because when you get older, it's like, yeah, I don't, know, I don't have forever left, so I can't just watch all the movies in, in, again, right? But he had like a, a literal, like a whole wall of CDs and DVDs, and then he actually got laser discs, which you had to have two for a single movie. They were the size of Frisbees, and then he had DVDs, then he got Blu-rays, and then he lost his job. 
whoopsie. <laughs> and I remember sitting with him. He's looking at these tears coming down his face. He's like, I got like $50,000 worth of shit here. I never watch it. I never listen to it. And it's all available for free now anyway. Just, you know, go to, go to some, go to Rumble or just type in some band you like live. Hey, look, it's all there. So that's not great. And then, of course, nobody has laser players anymore, laser disc players. Very few people have DVDs. And when was the last time you saw a record, like a needle record? So he had all this shit. He can't sell it because nobody wants it. He can't play it. Or, you know, if he does, it's it burns in his brain because it's all, you know. And he can't, possibly, he can't possibly listen to it all for the rest of his life. Can't possibly do it. He will not live long enough to get that done, right? Now, that $50,000 could have carried him for like a year. Um, I'm like, maybe it's a Northern European thing. Like, store your nuts for the winter, people, because <laughs> winter's coming, right? Now you can put 500 movies on a hard drive. Spotify is free. Yeah. I buy stuff I don't need. It's harder for me to resist because I'm female. Yeah. Do you have any guilty pleasures where you spend? Um, I don't know if they're guilty pleasures. I mean, I spend a lot on technology. Excuse me. <coughs> well, that was civilized. That's going to be a gif. I sneeze my glasses off. I'm fine. I'm fi- I know a sneeze means death in a horror movie. I'm fine. I'm fine. Um, yeah, I mean, I probably spend a little bit too much on upgrading microphones and, and uh, cameras and, and all of that. But um, to me, again, if I'm thinking about the audio quality, I and mean, it's one of the things that was tough about losing the YouTube channel was that was like original quality stuff, right? That was uploaded from source and, and it was really, really high quality. And, you know, they've unfortunately taken, you know, get mad at Susan Wisnella, whatever, Wisnecki or whatever his name is, not, not a mad, at, mad at me. But uh, so uh, people don't, they didn't save, they didn't save and they didn't upgrade the skills and they, you know, didn't, you know. And so now something bad happened, COVID and and the government shutting everything down, which is, I don't believe, hugely necessary. But, you know, it's the government, they're always going to do it wrong, right? They're going to open up the borders and then they're going to close down the, open the borders and then close the restaurants. That's the story of the open borders, closed restaurants. That's the story. Like Ontario, where I live, is uh, locked down crazy tight uh, at the moment. And partly it's because the federal government won't stop thousands and tens of thousands of people pouring every day into the Toronto airport. They're not tested. They're not followed. They're not quarantined. You you can't go to Australia without being quarantined against your will. But you can fly into Toronto and just go anywhere you want, it seems, with, you know. So because the feds, the federal government won't shut down the borders, uh, Everybody's got to stay home, right? So, but this stuff happens in life, so you got to save, right? Now, when you're a kid, you're not expected to be held accountable for the consequences of your own decisions in general, the big decisions, right? And so, he got the guy I threw the rock up and hit his car. He got mad at my mom, not at me, because I was five, right? So who's responsible for being broke in the time of COVID? Who's responsible? Well, you're responsible. I'm responsible. Everybody's responsible. Save your money. Forgo current consumption for the sake of future realization. Now, what happens, of course, is because people are broke. And now, I mean, some people legitimately broke, blah, blah, blah. But there's a lot of people 
you know, they could have saved more money. Trust me. There's a lot of people. I, I grew up among poor people. They make really stupid decisions about what to buy. You know, big ass flat screen TVs and, you know, super fast computers and, you know, cigarettes, alcohol, bad food, you know, crap and, and like, come on, crazy shoes. I mean, it's ridiculous, right? I mean, this happens. Not everyone, but it happens, right? Now, of course, what they do is they run to the government and say, well, you, you've got to give me money because we're children. We don't want to be held accountable for our failure to save. Now, it's not the average person's fault that China facilitated the spread of this virus and governments kept the borders open. It's not everyone's fault. But one of the things you know, if you're a vaguely intelligent human being, one of the things you know is that governments are going to mess things up. I mean, you know that, right? So come on. Let's see here. Yeah, so collectivism comes from unmet childhood needs that people don't want to deal with. They don't want to deal with those unmet needs, so they run around looking for parent substitutes. All, and this is why I always say on my show, I never going to tell people what to do. Lame Name says, glad to be able to join your live chat. Keep bringing the world philosophy and forget the dumb washed folks. Philosophy wins in the end. Well, if philosophy doesn't win in the end, there is... Uh, well, there's nothing, there's nothing to win. There's going to be nothing there. So, Do you think investing in real estate is a good way to save money? It can be, for sure. Um, so listen, so I'm never, ever going to, in a million years, give anybody investment advice. This has nothing to do with investment advice. This is just pure economics, right? So uh, Biden is going to give a path to citizenship to tens of millions of illegals in America. So what that means is... Millions and millions and millions and millions and millions of more people are going to pour across the border, are going to find their way into America because that's the biggest gold in the world is American citizenship because it gets you access to all this free stuff, right? It's the Willy Wonka lottery ticket is, is the green card, right? So immigration has been somewhat paused, reduced a little. There's still 1.2 million people pouring into America on average every year, but it's slowed down a little bit under Trump and it's slowed down a little bit more under COVID. So the Democrats don't ever want to have a contested election again. They don't ever want to lose again. So they're just going to bring in voters who are going to vote Democrat, which means generally people from the third world. It's just a fact. Wish it were different, but it's not. And so what's going to happen is there's going to be a giant tsunami of people crashing into America, which I believe is going to result in higher real estate prices. Of course, right? Because you can't build, especially because of zoning restrictions and permits and requirements, and you can't build houses fast enough to accommodate all of the people. You say, ah, oh, yes, but it's going to be poor people. Well, yeah, but when more people move into poor neighborhoods, it drives more people than middle-class neighborhoods, which drives more people into rich neighborhoods. You get it, right? So... Do you think that Bitcoin is going to become mainstream acceptance? Um, I'm not sure what you mean by mainstream acceptance. I'm not sure what that means. Um, I mean, I think cryptos are the future of liberated currency, without a doubt, without a doubt, so... Crypto says, my computer is 10 years old. A used SSD costs 50 bucks and speeds it up massively. That's true, but you've got to watch out for those used SSDs because if you have a hard drive failure, I mean, a physical hard drive is tough enough, but an SSD, SSD, you might as well just throw it in the fire as far as I understand it. Someone says, I've been trying to patch up my relationship with my father, but I'm having a hard time because he believes the noble savage myth. Hmm. 
Yes, the noble savage myth. That is uh, very interesting. So the noble savage myth, it's a, it's a Garden of Eden fantasy, right? It's this idea that we, you know, had this wonderful, peaceful relationship with nature in the past, and then we befouled it with civilization and cities and sewage, and we would just taken a slow dump on the angelic purity Mona Lisa visage of Mother Nature and somehow enjoying it in the process, and that humanity is a fart on the white linen of nature, and, oh, the natives, they used to live in harmony, and they used all parts of the buffalo. and It's just Marxist bullshit. It's absolute Marxist bullshit because, I mean, Hobbes was right, right? Human beings in a state of nature. Life is nasty, brutish, and short. And nature was a totally sociopathic psycho bitch when she was in charge. And we had to wrestle that bitch down and put her foot on her neck because she was just killing us left, right, and center. Humanity during the last ice age was down to 10,000 people. I mean, 10,000 people. We almost got wiped out on a regular basis. Smallpox used to take off a quarter of the European population. The plague used to take off 60% of the European population at times. Came from China, by the way, because history is like a broken record sometimes. It's sad but true. And, yeah, nature was, was just hell. Absolute hell. You get one cut in the Middle Ages. You get one infection. No polysporin, no antibiotics. No, no, you're dead. People used to just pull their teeth out, and they would die of tooth decay. They would swallow their tooth bacteria. Tooth decay bacteria would go into their heart and cause their hearts to explode, John Hurt, alien style. Life in a state of nature is barely worth living. Barely worth living, which is why there are all these fantasies, of course, about heaven and, you know, like the worse life is, the more people dream about an alternative universe where they're going to be happy, right? And and uh, and so this state of nature is, you have to explain, I mean, if you're religious, right, you have to explain why the further away we get from the origin story, in some ways, the better life gets, right? It's a tough thing, right? So then you say, well, there has to be a Garden of Eden myth. That has, and also Marxists do it too to make Europeans feel guilty for wars they won and lands that they took, right? Because Europeans came to North America and put an end to the slavery of the natives and the regular genocides of the natives and the brutal mass rape and human torturing and scalping and murder fests of the natives. And for that, you see, you, <laughs> Europeans are bad. Like I did this whole speech. You should look it up. It's really good in Australia a couple of years ago about the Aborigines with infanticide rate of 60% and rituals for manhood that involved spearing children in the legs and rape as a weapon of war. And, you know, it's brutal culture. They had Australia for 40,000 years. That's like 200 times longer than the Industrial Revolution to now. They had Australia for 40,000 years, and what did they do with it? Nothing. They were still doing the same stupid stuff after 40,000 years that they were doing at the beginning. Good job, everyone. <laughs> you know, and why? Because whenever anybody came along with an original thought, they panicked, got collectivist, and killed that person. So Europe, like how did Europeans end up so successful? Well, we have maybe a one percent higher tolerance for originality than just about every other culture. Just about any every other culture you question any of the basics, they'll just kill you. Like they'll either kill you directly or no one will date you, your genes will die out, and you'll be forgotten in a generation. So Europe, we, you know, we're maybe 1% better at not killing our free thinkers, and that's made all the difference, right? It's made all the difference. This is why from 
800 BC to 1950 AD, right? It's a massive amount of time. 97% of all scientific advancements came from white Europeans. Canada, Australia, New Zealand, um, America, England, the sort of Western European countries. 97% of science, like no Europeans, no modern world. That's just the way it is, right? And, and it's because we're slightly better at not killing off our free thinkers. It's one of the reasons I'm still here. I would not be here if I was in an Aborigine culture. They would have killed me long ago for questioning the basic superstitions of the tribe. So, yeah, the, the noble savage myth is really, really uh, dangerous. And usually it comes from, uh, it, the reason it has psychological resonance for people, of course, is because um, abusive parents tend to be a lot nicer to babies than they are to toddlers. So by the time you get your memory, you have a vague, dim, spinal collection, uh, uh, recollection of a time when things were nicer for you personally. And then you start saying no, you start challenging your parents, and they start coming down on you like a ton of bricks. So when people say, oh, in the distant past, people were much happier, we lived in a state of nature, people were better, it was more wonderful, it was happier, more peaceful, more loving, it's like that takes you back to your very early days when you weren't challenging your mom, you were breastfeeding and everything was great. Well, let's see here. What do we got? Uh, in regards to Bitcoin mainstream adoption, I mean bought by pension funds, bought by normally retail investors. Oh, but that's already happening. Yeah, that's already happening. That's already happening. Are tattoos only for people with no personality or bad childhoods? Are tattoos a red flag? So, if you want a good relationship with someone, and you've got to bring this to the table yourself, but if you want a good relationship with someone... You know, people focus on tits, ass, hair, facial features, skin clarity, hotness, uh, resources, blah, 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 blah. Uh, that's all crap. It's not totally unimportant. Yeah, you got to be attracted, blah, blah, blah. But if you want the, the very greatest chance, I'll give you a real secret here. If you want the greatest chance, look at me. I'm like Dan Bogino, not allowing myself to finish this. He does that all the time. He doesn't allow himself to finish a sentence and then goes and starts another sentence halfway through. So here's your big reveal, right? Here's your big reveal. Here's how to have a great relationship. The first thing, and in many ways the only thing, that you need to look for is a long-time preference. I know <laughs> it's not exactly playboy, but you need to look for a long-time preference, a preference for delaying gratification, right? Because when you're in a conflict, you want to win in the moment, but most of the ways that people win in a conflict is to lose in the long run. I mean, just look at my deplatforming, right? Ooh, they've won, right? They, they silenced me. It's like, well, they can destroy their own business models and um, it just adds to my cool factor in the future and so on, right? So this issue of trying to find someone who's willing to defer gratification means you can have productive conflicts. Because if somebody is like, I've just got to win. I don't care what happens to this relationship down the road. I just have to win in the moment. You can't have a relationship with those people because they will completely detonate everything just to win in the moment. And then they'll detonate you using the family court system. So you need to look at someone who's got a longer time preference. You know, have they sacrificed things? Have they, I don't know, saved their money? Have they deferred gratification? Just look for these things, right? It used to be going to university. Now it's probably not going to university. 
Like they've deferred the gratification of getting social approval in order not to get indebted for useless degrees. Worse than useless, in fact. So when you look at someone, what you want to do is you want to look for markers that they have a long-time preference, that they prefer things to work out for them in the longer run rather than the shorter run, right? Obesity, of course, is a short-time preference. The food tastes good even though the health effects are negative. Smoking, drug use, you name it, of this kind of, any kind of addictive behavior is a clear indication of a short-term time preference rather than thinking about yourself in the future, right? Why, you know, I'm 54 years old. Why do I uh, exercise? Well, because I want to deliver myself to 80 with a reasonably healthy and strong body, right? So you got to think about the future. I don't really like exercise. I don't really enjoy it. I don't get off on it. Uh, you know, some people do. They get a high or whatever it is, but I don't really like it particularly, but I'll do it because it's important. And, you know, you go to the dentist because it's important and you don't overeat because it's... So you look for people who have displayed... Deferred gratification. They're willing to defer gratification. Now, what does a tattoo say? What does a tattoo say? I want to look cool now. I want to get approval from people in the moment. Do you think there are a lot of people in their 60s when the tattoo is sagged and faded and just looks like some weird stain on their body? We're like, wow, I'm really glad I got this tattoo, <laughs> right? So that's an indication of, uh, of time preferences. Don't invest in Bitcoin. It's your loss. Oh, man. You, I mean, you Bitcoin. You Bitcoin skeptics. Oh, my God. Just, you were just wrong. It's okay. It happens. You were just wrong. Come on, man. <laughs> I mean, I had people that are Bitcoin. I had a debate with Peter Schiff about Bitcoin many years ago, right? I had these debates. People are like, oh, Bitcoin, it's a fad. It's like, come on, man. It's like close to $24,000 of Bitcoin. And this has been going on for years. Yeah, it goes up and down. Guess what? It's a new, it's a new thing. So the valuation is going to change. But uh, the idea that now, after many, many years, Bitcoin is retaining or actually increasing significant value, the idea that it's just some sort of tulip mania or some South Seas investment bubble, you know, it's okay. I mean, I'm sure you're covering up your regrets that you didn't get into it earlier. Maybe, at it, but just... You were wrong. It's okay. It's okay. It's fine. I'm wrong about some things. You're wrong about some things. Just wrong about Bitcoin. It's very sad, right? Trump pardons Paul Manafort, Roger Stone, Charles Kushner. Uh, Roger Stone was a while ago, right? European success due to insist insistence on civility. Well, that doesn't really... What does that explain? It doesn't explain anything. I mean... It doesn't really explain anything. It may, it may sound in your head or when you're typing it that it explains something. Why is there an, an insistence on civility? So, of course, one of the things that happened over the course of European history is that about 1% of, in some places, in some time frames, about 1% of the population was executed every year and it generally tended to be the most violent and destructive elements of the population. And given that there are significant genes for violence, now, it doesn't mean that all violence is genetic, but if you combine propensity for violence genetically with child abuse, you will almost certainly get a violent criminal. And this goes back to, you can go to bombinthebrain.com for all of the studies on this. Now, given that really up until quite recently, all childhoods 
in well, the world over, but in Europe, would be considered brutal and abusive and criminal by modern standards, then those who had a genetic predispens- uh, uh, propensity for violence would then have that propensity combined with the environmental trigger of child abuse and would become violent. And it's really hard to improve childhood. And it's the first thing that got me in trouble was anti-violence against children because there's a lot of sadists out there who like enacting violence against children and they don't like people who stand up for the kids, obviously, right? It's not, not that complicated. But... Um, Europe uh, just just killed off a lot of people with genetic predispositions towards violence, or they would send them to Australia, or they would send them to other penal colonies and so on, and they just exited a lot of people. And that did fairly well for Europe until mid-19th century, when a lot of the freedom-loving people in Europe, of course, fled to America, and that began. Um, it was the brain drain of liberty-loving people, and uh, that, uh, of course, uh, caused a lot of problems in Europe. So, let's see here. Maybe that's why everyone hates Europeans, ingrained hatred of free thinkers. You know, it's tough, right? It's tough. Um, You know, uh, so some of the hatred against whites, I mean, it's definitely bred and inculcated by the media and and the Marxists and so on and all that, because whites are generally skeptical of Marxism, pro-free market, pro-free speech. Again, I've got presentations on this. You can look for them on a bit shoot or lbry.com. But, it, you know, it's pretty tough for other cultures because other cultures have had their days in the sun. They've done their grand things. They've done wonderful things uh, in history. But there has really been no success like European culture uh, in, in history. And it's kind of tough. So I think that the average person in a foreign culture, foreign country, would like to have the liberties and freedoms that... Europeans used to have, but their leaders don't want them to have those freedoms because that would diminish the power of the leaders. So what they have to do, let's say there's some culture called Albonia, right, to borrow Scott Adams' fictional country, right? So the Albonian government, the Albonian citizens want the freedoms that the Europeans have, but the Albonian leaders don't want their citizens to have those freedoms because that limits the power of the Albonian leaders. So what do they do? Well, they say, well, the wealth and success of the Europeans is only there, only exists because they stole everything from Albonia. So the people that you're admiring, they actually stole from you, they stole from your ancestors, and the reason why you're poor is not because you lack the liberties that the Europeans have, but because the Europeans stole from you. And that the way they can train their citizens to hate Europeans, and therefore, because they hate Europeans, they don't want the European freedoms, uh, and therefore the leaders are safe. It's simply a way of training your livestock to love the shoots that lead them to the farming disassembly, right? AG bars, last day today? Yeah. Yeah. That's pretty sad. I mean, he was, he's like Jeff Sessions 2.0, right? The Constitution is just a piece of paper without the Europeans. Yeah, I wouldn't put it all on race, for sure. I wouldn't put it all on race. Um, I wouldn't put it all on race. There's lots of Europeans who have no respect for the Constitution. Women with tattoos tend to be unpleasant. Yeah, I mean, tattoos and mental health disorders are correlated, for sure. For sure. I judge a woman based on whether or not she likes Steph. (laughs) I like the word based in there. 
My friends have kids that are graduating from college and moving home at age 23 and they've never had a job. Tragic. Oh, yeah, that's really sad. That's really sad. Let my six-year-old son have a lolly stash, that's lollipop stash, in his room from parties he goes to. He's been self-managing for six months. Going good so far. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, somebody says my comment was sarcastic. I have thousands of Bitcoin. Yeah, what is it? Only 4,500 people the world over have 10 million or more in Bitcoin. It's pretty wild. Oh, what do we got here? Yeah, so, yeah, you want to get your kids onto self-management of sugar as early as possible, for sure. Otherwise, they'll just um, sneak it, right? That's not good. Peter Schiff is exhausting. Peter Schiff is still bashing Bitcoin. Maybe debate part two. No, I don't think so. I don't think so. I, I think the case has been made. Uh, Canada and the U.S. going to bump their yearly citizenship immigration numbers. Oh, yeah, for sure. Oh, yeah. It's, uh, yeah. No, the whole immigration debate is done. Yeah, I mean, they're just going to crank it up and, and it's all going to fall apart from there. Um, yeah, I mean, I made this prediction last. I mean, there's, there's not going to be any functioning small party government party um, about a year from now. Uh, they just they won't. I mean, the, the demographics are going to be such that nobody's going to vote Republican again. The Republicans are going to chase after these votes and dissolve themselves just as Trump did. So, Oh, Stone was only commuted before? Okay, thank you. Thank you. I appreciate it. Full pardon. It was a commuted sentence. Yes, thank you. I appreciate that. I don't think the Assange Snowden pardon is coming anymore. To be honest, it's pretty disappointing. Yeah, I would say that, um, of course, Assange and Snowden should be. I mean, they're whistleblowers, and, and they should be pardoned, in my humble opinion. Um, yeah, I mean, Trump on his way out. I mean, I, I mean it's, hard, it's hard to say. It's hard to say whether Trump thinks he's going to stay in or not, or whether that's, I don't know. Is it a fundraising thing? I mean, back in the day with Ron Paul, Ron Paul, even when he was polling really low, was like, there's still a path for me to become president and used it for fundraising. It was kind of disappointing, uh, I think, to be honest. I mean, I know everyone's finances have been pretty hard this year, and you'll notice I have done barely any donation pitches. Um, so, yeah, I mean, you, you've got to be sensitive to that kind of stuff with people, right? So he should just declassify everything. I mean, maybe once once he realizes he is not going to be president, like he's maybe once he realizes that, he can just declassify a whole bunch of stuff, but we'll see, we'll see. Uh, looking back on bad decisions like tattoos make a difference. Oh, sure, yeah. Well, look, we've all made bad decisions in the past, for sure, right? All right. Let's see here. My mother thinks that my father's money is hers because she gave up her best years having children instead of going to school. <laughs> Yeah, well, you know, women and resources is a big complicated Mobius strip of lower intestine Lunday subway Mac complexity. So the idea so so this is the general argument. This was the argument behind um alimony as a whole, right? Which is to say, well look, I mean the woman didn't get educated, she trusted the man and she raised his children and then she got dumped for a younger model, right? Maybe the, the a younger, not necessarily model, but you know what, if you get dumped for a younger woman, right? And this is one of the imbalances in male and female sexuality. It's pretty important. It's very important, really, which is that uh, women run out of the capacity to have children 
re- I mean, really by their late 30s, certainly their early 40s. I mean, it's really, really a dice roll. And certainly if you want more than one kid, a woman who's past 33 uh, when you meet her, um, it's not great. It's not great because, you know, you got to get to know her for a year or two. You get married. You need a little bit of time to adjust. And you're only then starting to have kids in their mid to late 30s. And you're starting to really roll the dice, miscarriages and genetic defects and downs. And, oh, man, it's a real mess. So uh, a woman, you know, she does really start to run out of the capacity to give a man children pretty early on. You know, 33, that's 15 years past 18, right? That's not good. Uh, That's not good at all. So it's funny because I had a novel. I still have a novel. Uh, You can um, get it at fdrurl.com forward slash TGOA. It's free and you should really read it. Um, Called The God of Atheists, which started with this whole issue about a woman suddenly panicking in her early 30s about settling down and having a kid. And I couldn't figure out, it was such a great book. I couldn't figure out why it never got published until I realized, of course, that the Marxists want all the people not to have kids who would even think about those things. Right, so it kind of makes sense in hindsight, but I was very naive back then. This is like twenty over twenty years ago. I was very naive about who ran the world and who was in charge of things and all that. So I believed uh, I believed the lies of the people who were in charge. Anyway, well, some of them, a few, a few, but enough to to waste time uh, on that stuff. Although it did help me in terms of developing my communication skills. But um, so, but the man, of course, can continue having kids with. You know, some decline in sperm quality, you know, up until his 70s. Uh, Zorba, the Greek guy, Anthony Quinn, whatever, his kid in his 70s. Mick Jagger, I think, is still pumping out kids and all that, right? And, you know, he's like three steps back from a, a velociraptor as far as age goes. And so for a man to get a woman to raise his kids, and then when she's no longer fertile, to dump her and start another family, if he's got a lot of money, makes good biological sense, right? Morals, all that, right? Makes good biology. So the reason why Christianity introduced monogamy, lifelong monogamy, was to benefit women. Christianity has one of the most feminist religions in the known universe because it says, listen, you marry this woman and she has your kids. You got to stay married to her even after she no longer can have kids and you can go and get some hot young thing and you can start another family and you can kick her to the curb and like you've got to stay married to her, right? It's incredibly beneficial to uh, women, right? And um, so th- then what happened was uh, getting divorced was extraordinarily rare. You had to prove cause, uh, infidelity, abuse, uh, maybe addiction, uh, the bunch of things that you had to prove in order to get divorced because it was a very significant contract, Right. But then what happened was, well, I mean, a whole bunch of things. The pill happened, and then socialism happened, and, and the welfare state happened, and, you know, all of these things happened that completely threw a wrench into these things. And, of course, we had an economy, because so much money was being put into the hands of women through the welfare state and other things, student loans, that we had an economy that adapted itself to women having lots of money. And, therefore politicians love alimony and child support because it moves money from men who tend to save to women who tend to spend which keeps the it greases the skids of the consumption economy at the expense of the future of course but women spend and men save in general lots of exceptions but women spend and men save so when you have a hamster wheel consumption economy you want to get as much money as humanly possible in away from men and towards women and you do that through taxation right men pay way more into the tax system than they get out of it and women pay way less into the tax system than they 
get out of it. And so the tax system and the redistribution estate, the welfare state, and you name it, is all about transferring money from men to women. The um, uh, socialized medicine has a lot to do with making sure that women have more disposable income right? because you borrow money to pay for health care, which women consume much more than men. And then women have much more disposable income to spend on consumption trash, garbage. I mean, I've said this before. I'll say it again. I'm sure you go to a mall. It's 90% trash. It's 90% like spangly fucking cell phone cases and endless shoe stores and makeup counters and purse stores and frilly bra shit. And it's like, oh, my God, can can you can you buy something that doesn't wreck itself in value over three months? Anything, anything at all? Can you buy something that actually appreciates in value? Or is it all just used garbage face painting pretty crap that's out there? I mean, it's terrible for the environment. And there's nothing there for men. It's not, I, mean, I notice as I go to malls, there's nothing there for men. It's like maybe one, the source store, maybe. But there's nothing there for men. <laughs> because we don't buy that much. <laughs> so the, the whole economy has had to shape itself around mass hysterical fever estrogen-driven consumption by environment-destroying females, right? And so the whole current economic system kind of grinds to a halt, at least has to reshape itself pretty considerably if men, if women don't have endless streams of money pouring into their pockets. And so can't stop the welfare state, can't stop alimony, can't stop child support, can't stop the endless resource reallocation from men to women and affirmative action hiring for women is just part of this because it depresses the wages of men while artificially raising the wages of women so that women can spend more money on useless crap and all of the people who make all the shit that women buy in malls are all crazy funding the government and 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 lobbying the government to make sure women get as much money as humanly possible so they can buy more useless shit and bury the planet in more useless fucking shoeboxes so yeah you can't uh, can't solve that particularly easily so yeah, your mother thinks that my father's money is hers. She gave up her best years having children instead of going to school. She got paid for that, right? She got paid for that. And listen, if you can't hang on to someone that you've been married to for 15 years, you're a bad partner. You're just a bad partner. You know, If you can't keep a job that you've been doing for 15 years, you're pretty bad at that job. So, Kill the free thinkers. All that reproduces are followers. Slave DNA. Uh, I wouldn't put it quite that genetically, but yeah, there's certainly aspects of that as well, for sure. Trump even said that he's going to declassify everything. I hope it's coming. It's a tragic... I mean, you know, Trump is a, is like a kingly story of Shakespearean fall from grace. I mean, I don't think he even he anticipated the amount of opposition that he was going to face from the powers that be. And uh, it's pretty, pretty sad. Um, beware of women with hyphens in their last names. They tend to be quite unpleasant. Will you read Jordan Peterson's new book? Uh, no. <laughs> Absolutely. I'm reading a biography of Margaret Thatcher at the moment because I've always been quite interested in the pluses and minuses of her. And so, but would I read Jordan Peterson's new book? No. I, I won't get into it more than that, but no. Uh, how will you be celebrating Christmas as an atheist? I wish you did more streams on DLive, like five days a week. Well, that's very kind. I do. I mean, I do. Gosh. So I do three shows of two to three hours a week. And, I mean, other shows in there as well. But, um, you know, that, that's a lot, right? I mean, I appreciate that. I mean, I love that you're here, and I, I'm very glad that you enjoy this stuff. Uh, I really do. 
but uh, I'm already producing at least usually eight hours of content a week or more. So, you know, people got other stuff, right? Um, how is, so I, I love Christmas. Christmas is a beautiful time. I love the lights. I love the tree. I love the food. I love the company. And I love the just it's a relaxing time of year. You know, you sit on the couch and pick lint out of your belly button, listen to music. I was listening to old Paul McCartney tunes on the couch the other day, half dozing. Ah, it's beautiful. Hands across the water. The source is Canadian Radio Shack, FYF for fellow Americans. That's right. Um, I understand why lawyers want more divorces. It's money for them. But why do judges favor raping men of our resources? Well, I don't know. Uh, I don't know, but I will say this. So women uh, make less money than men in uh, a free market. And the more free market it is, the more the wage gap tends to be. Why? Because women are generally a little bit lower on the IQ scale, a little bit, uh, of course, a lot weaker physically, uh, don't have the stamina, don't have the testosterone. Wonderful. I love women. They're fantastic. They're wonderful. They raise our children. They transmit our cultural values. They are the bedrock and cornerstone and apex of our entire society. Love them to death. But economically, uh, generally, men tend to be a bit more Asperger-y and a little bit more focused, a little bit more aggressive, a little... and. Men, you know, if you want to innovate in anything, you have to be absolutely willing to endure the intense dislike of other people. Of course, right? I mean, to be a paradigm shifter, you have to. I mean, the, the guys who invented the car were all called assholes by the people who had invested in in carriages and horses, right? I mean, it's it's inevitable, right? And so to succeed, you have to be willing to not only endure but relish the significant dislike of other people. And women are just a little bit less, they find it a little bit less comfortable to be disliked. And that also means that they're a little bit less able to innovate and, and challenge and all that kind of stuff, right? And when people are so desperate for female entrepreneurs, they'll take Elizabeth Holmes, that woman who ran Theranos or pretended to run Theranos, which was just such a complete scam from start to end and top to bottom as far as what I've heard and read. Uh, this is the woman who said that she had this little box that could take a pinprick of blood and diagnose hundreds of ailments. And I mean, it was all complete nonsense. And you had uh, big, big chain stores investing hundreds of millions of dollars to create these testing labs. And it was all smokescreen and nonsense. And it was obviously nonsense, too. I mean, you know, to make an advance in the computer field like Steve Jobs, you don't have to have much experience. But to make an advance in the medical field, man, you need a lot of experience. And there's a lot of testing and a lot of stuff that needs to go on. And the idea that it comes out of somebody who's <laughs> This low voice dits in her twenties. I mean, and this Pakistani guy, her boyfriend. Oh man, <laughs> I mean, it's brutal. They're so desperate for female entrepreneurs in this way, right? So, all right. So uh, yeah. So uh, why? So when there's a, a disparity, I've said this before. When there's a disparity between any group, right? One group is doing better than the other group. That's an interesting question. Why do East Asians do better than blacks in the economy, in, in a meritocracy, right? East Asians like you know, Chinese, Japanese, South Koreans, Vietnamese. Why do they do better? Why do Jews do better than Hispanics? Why do Hispanics do better than blacks on average, right? So all very interesting questions. Exciting questions. Now, for every complex problem, there's an idiot with a simple answer. In this case, we have the Marxists. And the Marxists say the only reason one group does better than any other group or every other group is because of exploitation, right? So the only reason that East Asians do better than South Asians is because East Asians exploit and steal from South Asians. The only reasons that Jews do better than Hispanics, you get all of this, right? So 
That's their answer. Exploitation and theft. That, that's all. Why does uh, the manager make more than the employee? Is it because he's smarter, more efficient, took the risk of starting the business, invested his own money, worked nights and weekends to build the business, whereas the other guy just wandered in and works nine to five? Is it anything to do with that? No! <laughs> it's because um, the capitalist is exploiting the workers. That's it, right? Why did Britain do better than India? Uh, well, the Marxists say because Britain stole everything from India, and that's the only reason that Britain had an industrial revolution. <laughs> I'm sorry, I shouldn't laugh, but yeah, I mean, this is all nonsense, right? But this is what they say, right? Is there exploitation? Sure there is. Sure there is. But there's been exploitation all throughout human history. If exploitation created wealth, then why weren't the Egyptians of the ancient world massively wealthy? Because they had ungodly numbers of slaves, right? Why was there no industrial revolution and massive wealth in ancient Rome or ancient Greece when they had massive numbers of slaves, right? Why was the South of America poorer than the North of America, which didn't have slaves when the South did have slaves? Because certainly slavery is more exploitation than wage labor. So it's all nonsense, and Marx actually knew it was nonsense before he died. He just avoided the topic because he was a satanic bullshit artist of the first order. But uh, so why? So the, the Marxists have an answer, right? You know what they might say. So the Marxist answer as to why do women make less money than men in a meritocracy? Uh, because there's a patriarchy that exploits, degrades, and rips off women, right? It's a satanic offer. It's a smoking, red-handed, give-me-your-soul satanic offer. It's an invitation to hatred. Somebody's doing better than me. I will now hate them because they've exploited and stolen and they're evil guys. I mean, it's an invitation to hatred. And, you know, it's the same way that, that the mainstream media pounding on Donald Trump, lying about Donald Trump, for the last five years. It was just an invitation to hatred. Will you hate this guy? Like right now, Donald Trump is saying, wait a minute, we have a stimulus bill for COVID that works out to well north of $2,700 per American, and yet Americans are only getting 600 bucks. Where the hell's the rest of the money going? Well, we know where the rest of the money is going. The rest of the money is going to uh, foreign aid, $10 million, to Pakistan for gender equality in the military. You've got uh, massive amounts of money going to what? The Smithsonian, where <laughs> the Smithsonian has over $600 million in assets, if I remember rightly. And um, the, the, the executives are paid well north of $400,000 a year. But still, they've got to get all this money in this stimulus <laughs> package, right? There's, there's um, hundreds of millions of dollars for borders in the Middle East. There, I mean, you just go through it all, right? And it's just complete pork, right? And... Right now, the media is saying that Trump is just torpedoing a relief bill. And it's like, now they have the difficult thing of, of saying to people who just voted for Biden, hey, that just cost you 1400 bucks because Trump wants to raise it from 600 to 2000 Now, I know the government doesn't have any money. Trump has never been a fiscal conservative. You get all of that, right? He was hoping to grow his way out of the, the fiscal hole with uh, cut, cuts in regulations and lower taxes. It's not a bad plan. But the media now has to spin it, right? Because, I'm sorry, I shouldn't laugh, but, you know, at this point, what are you going to do? It's just kabuki comedy now, right? But uh, all the people who voted for Biden, well, they're voting for the Democrats, and they're getting 600 bucks from the Democrats, right? And Trump now wants to raise it to 2000 right? Hasn't been, yeah, it's a little over a month, month and a half since the election. And people are like, oh, well, that already cost me 1400 bucks now, now, didn't it? Because Trump wanted, now whether Trump would get 2,000 is what he wants to fight for, right? So the media now, of course, is saying that Trump is raging and torpedoing COVID relief, and they have to 
really kick up a whole lot of dust so that people don't see that they're 1400 bucks down because they voted Biden, right? I mean, it's, pretty, but it's an invitation to hatred. Obviously, there's invitations to hatred to, to me. There's invitations to hatred to, almost like a commandment, to hatred for me from some circles, right? So there's this invitation to hatred. And, you know, it's happened to other despised minorities or groups throughout uh, human history. It happened in Rwanda, happened in Germany, happened in a wide variety of places where you say, I'm going to continue to tell you negative things about this person or group until you just give in and hate them. Right. And and so with judges, I don't know what makes them tick or what makes them run, but I would imagine that it has something to do with the constant Marxist drumbeat that the reason that men have more money than women is because men rip off and exploit women. It's a great way to destroy a culture because it destroys the love that is necessary between men and women to transmit and sustain cultural values in a stable family environment, right? So I imagine that there may be some judges and lawyers out there who are like, well, in any conflict between a man and a woman, the man is the exploiter and he's a bad guy and we've got to give money back <clears throat> to the woman because he stole it from her. That's my guess. All right, a couple more questions. couple more questions. Israel, yeah, got 500 million, right? They got 500 million out of it, right? <laughs> Crazy. Crazy stuff. Yeah, I mean now uh, it's uh, now it's going to be um, it's going to be all about climate change and and plant food carbon is is a poison and all this kind of stuff, right? Uh, how secure were you financially before going full time with Free Domain? It was a big cut. It was a big cut, and uh, it was not. I was not independently wealthy. <laughs> I was not independently wealthy. Did you hear Rand Paul's speech? Uh, no, I don't. I don't listen to political speeches really anymore. I mean, why? Why? I mean, I I don't dislike Rand Paul. I'm sure he's a nice guy, but uh, you know, having hope. And people are, oh my God, the government is so corrupt. There, there's all this pork in the spending, and it's a 5,500 page bill, and they only had six hours to read it. And even AOC complained. It's like this government, man. <laughs> Just stop, stop expecting differently. You know, it, it is the mark of an abusive relationship that you think this time something's going to change. You understand? It's, a, it's the mark of an abusive relationship that you get abused and you're so frustrated and angry. You know when you're free of an abusive relationship? When you give up hope. When you give up hope of being better, you give up hope of people changing, you accept people and institutions for who the fuck they are. You understand? That's freedom. Freedom from illusion. Freedom from delusion. It's the only freedom that matters at all anymore. Freedom from delusion. So I'm sure Rand Paul gave a very powerful and wonderful speech about how the government was spending money on the wrong things and there shouldn't be all this pork in the bill and the bill should have come out before. But it's free money for everyone around the world. What, are they going to say no? Whoever's on the receiving end of that $10 million for gender equality programs in the Pakistani military, I mean, they just won the lottery. I mean, if you had a winning lottery ticket, from the government, would you not cash it in? Would you not? Would that be your goal and just wouldn't cash it in? Right? I mean, come on, of course you would, right? It's just the facts, right? It's just, right? So what do we got here? Um, the stimulus proposes giving $700 million to Sudan. Yes, yes, it certainly did, right? $1.3 billion to the Egyptian military. $1.3 billion to the uh, Egyptian military. Now, you know who the Egyptian military is going to buy its weapons from? The Russians. 
Crazy. The relief bill gives 10 million to gender programs in Pakistan, 15 million for democracy programs in Pakistan. It's, uh, I mean, it's glorious. And, and it's not, it's not going to be any different. Nothing's going to change. It's not going to be any different at all. This is the name of the game. This is the state. It's never going to be any different. You know, for for many years in the history of slavery, there were all of these complaints that the slaves, you see, they're just, just unmotivated. You know, they're just lazy. They don't, they don't have any ambition. They don't, they don't invent things. They don't, like, they'll just do the same dumb labor-saving tasks over and over, like labor-intensive tasks over and over. They'll never innovate to come up with a better way of doing things. And, and the whole thing was, okay, but how do we motivate the slaves without getting rid of slavery? Well, the same things happened under socialism, communism. You know, the workers just aren't motivated. As I said, in Russia, they pretend to pay us, we pretend to work under communism, right? Oh, you know, they're just so lazy. They're just, they're not motivated. And we're just going to beat them and get angry at them and, and morally complain about them and castigate them and blah, 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 blah. And, you know, but the system is a problem. So people are looking at this like there was uh, somebody who was who was posting, um, oh, this means Congress has failed. No, Congress hasn't failed. Congress is doing exactly what Congress is designed to do, which is to talk loudly to you about their commitment to your freedoms in the Constitution while pillaging the future generation of everything it can possibly have. I mean, do you know that there's a significant reduction in teen suicide when charter schools get introduced and parents have more control? over the education of their children. A significant reduction in teen suicide. So all the people who are pro-government schools are condemning significant numbers of teenagers to suicide. It's the nature of the system, man. It's the nature of the system. Now people say, oh, the, the election was stolen. I don't, I don't know what the hell happened to the ballots. I mean, I've read the law cases. I've read the affidavits. I'm not a judge, you know. Some of it looks credible. I don't know, right? But the elections, they're generally, I mean, not this specific one. They're generally bullshit anyway. I mean, how many people can possibly think outside the box? They are caged in violent indoctrination government schools. They're lied to constantly by the media. You have social media companies suppressing vital information. They talk about, oh, well, if, if Trump overturns this Pennsylvania, he's disenfranchising these voters. It's like, well, you know who disenfranchised the voters, in my opinion? The leaders of social media companies who didn't allow the Hunter Biden story to trend. Shut it down. Shut it down. You disenfranchise people. And then they know. They know. They knew exactly what they were doing. Because they knew if that story got out, that Biden might lose the election, right? So they shut it down. Well, that, that's, that's how you rig an election. You rig an election by indoctrinating kids, by endlessly pounding people with propaganda through the mainstream media, through suppression and threats on social media. That's how you disenfranchise people. What happened at a particular ballot station with the polls and the watchers and the videos, it's not unimportant. But the idea that that's where the real election rigging is occurring, oh, think again, think again. 
or just you know maybe think for the first time well, let's see here Oh, yeah, yeah. Okay, so Kennedy Center. Sorry, let me just sort of clarify that. Kennedy Center was given tens of millions of dollars in the latest COVID relief bill. Tax filings show that the Kennedy Center has $661 million plus in assets, over half a billion. Executives were paid the following, including benefits in 2019. 475000 365000 362000 That's a staggering amount of money. The Kennedy Center, sorry, not uh, what I mentioned earlier, right? So, yeah, that's uh, that's the way it is. That's you know, this. This can't be changed. I mean, it's like it's like. Well, how, how do we? Uh, yeah, Senator Paul, stop piling debt on future generations. Open the economy, and you know he's tilting at windmills, right? I mean, again, I like the guy. You know, he's a smart guy and all of that. But uh, the idea that uh, this is someone's going to listen and do it, right? So, what else is in the stimulus package? $1.4 billion for Asia Reassurance Initiative Act, $250 million in Palestinian aid, $85 million to Cambodia, $700 million to Sudan, $135 million to Burma, $130 million to Nepal, $500 million to Israel, $300 million for migrant and refugee assistance, $10,000 per person for student loan bailout, $100 million to NASA, $20 million to the USPS, $300 million to the Endowment of the Arts, $300 million for the Endowment of the Humanities, $15 million for Veterans Employment Training, $435 million for mental health support, $30 billion for the Department of Education Stabilization Fund, blah, 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 blah. And, uh, yeah. This is the nature of the state. The idea that, that um, Rand Paul is going to make some speech and people are going to be like, yeah! But it's really like making a speech uh, like, uh, you know, well, Let's let's stop being lazy as slaves and let's be motivated as slaves when there's no incentive to be motivated and every disincentive to remain to to become motivated, every incentive to remain unmotivated. So, um, how can I become more comfortable with being less agreeable? You send a message in a bottle to your future self that you would want to open, right? So I took on just about every controversial topic known to man. I still have no regrets. It's been six months almost I still have no regrets and um, you have to look in the future and say well how, how do I want to look back and be proud of what I did or if I look back what can I be most proud of what I did deferring the gratification is, is really important yeah and these are the people like this is like it's funny because everyone even people on the left are outraged that this is how the government works and it's like yeah but but then they want to give government full control of healthcare and you know I mean this is how this is this is what it is. The coercive situation. It's a coercive institution, and you know by you know Rand Paul in there like he's oh I'm going to give a speech and someone, you know it's it's like um, someone in the Soviet Union giving a speech uh, as a, as a uh, factory owner saying well I'm you know I'm going to motivate these people I'm going to you know we're going to work for the blah 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 right. A YouTuber channel Meet Kevin made the argument that these are typical foreign affair expenditures that the U.S. normally pays. Yeah, but it's not a typical year, dude. I mean, I don't know who this Meet Kevin is, but it's not a uh, typical year, right? This is a year when massive amounts of um, Americans were unemployed, right? Oh, come on. You want some lemons, don't you? Let's uh, let's toss them out. Let's toss them out. And don't forget to follow. I'd appreciate that, right? 
Yeah, I mean, how many how many countries around the world have taken the COVID crisis to say to their population, you know, hey, we got a dangerous situation. The best thing you can do is be healthy. Here's how to be healthy. Here's how to change your diet in a way that's actually scientific and not driven by pharmacist lobby groups and crap like that. The carb lobby apparently owns the planet. So, yeah, they're not, not interested in that. And a lot of it is... Um, that's the last thing I sort of want to want to mention here. So a lot of this COVID stuff, you understand, is is it's a way of delaying people getting mad, right? So you keep people say, oh, well, you know, you got to be responsible. you got to wear your mask, you know, social distance, this and that and the other, right? And maybe it's helpful. I don't know. The data doesn't seem to be there for it. But, but the reality is that if you say to people, listen, um, there's really not much we can do. There's not a whole lot we can do. The people who lock down, they have huge curves. The people who don't lock down, they have... Uh, huge curves and I, I'm sorry I don't have it set up here where I can share a picture uh, Tom Woods has good newsletters on this stuff um, but uh, I will uh, mention about this right um, which I think uh, I think it's important so as you remember back in the day I'm sure you remember this back in the day there were these countries that the mainstream media was just really pumping as oh these guys are, are getting it right they're doing it right it's all good stuff, right? So there was, um, this is from the Thomas newsletter. Remember early on, we'd get snooty headlines about how such and such European country flattened the curve and showed us the way. The subtext was always, unlike in the US, where the stupid idiots hate science. These countries were supposed to have listened to the science by locking people down and ruining their lives. Well, pretty much every single one of the European countries that the media once touted has been lately experiencing a tragic rise in deaths. So Slovenia, right? Slovenia Slovenia becomes first European nation to declare an end to its coronavirus epidemic, right? The, the Slovenia was the great way of doing it, and they just com- completely crushed in the second wave, right? Um, Montenegro becomes Europe's first coronavirus-free state. They're doing it just right. Totally crushed in the second wave. How the Czech Republic beat COVID-19. Boom. Totally crushed in the second wave. Uh, Austria has a 90% drop in coronavirus cases after requiring people to wear face masks. Totally crushed in the second wave. COVID-19 be damned. How Poland is beating another crisis. Totally crushed in the second wave. And uh, Belarus. Belarus president refuses to cancel anything and says vodka and saunas will ward off COVID-19. And uh, they're they're doing fantastically in the second wave. One of the lowest problems around, right? So, yeah, you name it. It's uh, just, and they don't circle back and say, oh, we were wrong. <laughs> of course not, right? I mean, being a, being a reporter means never having to say you're sorry, right? Will China move on Taiwan? Yeah, China's moving on everything, right? Uh, I mean, if you understand that the virus, you know, without commenting on its origins, which remain unknown, I have my suspicions, but unknown, China certainly facilitated the spread of the virus, obviously, right? Uh, they shut down internal travel while allowing it internationally, and they denied that the virus was dangerous while racing around the world, snapping up PPEs like shark, uh, sharks in a seal factory. But um, the... So the origin of it, without sort of talking about the origin, if you understand that the, the virus targets not people but the economy right the virus targets the economy and and if you sort of understand that then you understand that it's weaponization through incompetence or conscious decisions doesn't really matter right 
But um, the virus is there as an attack upon the economy, which is why, uh, you know, if the virus was more deadly, so to speak, then it would be like SARS or MERS, which burn out pretty quickly because people get sick and die or they get sick and stay home. So this kind of, oh, two weeks uh, asymptomatic and you could spread it and you can't tell. And it really is. Um, please, everyone, share this amazing feed on social media. I'm blocked, so I cannot. Well, yeah, I've got a video called The Case Against China. You can, of course, check that out, right? So, all right. Should we uh, close it down? It's actually my second lengthy show uh today so yeah thanks everyone so much uh, a great pleasure to chat with you guys tonight i wish you all a very very merry christmas and uh i i i do so honestly deeply and passionately treasure these questions and these conversations uh, they really really do mean the world to me you guys mean the world to me and um, your continued support a philosophy freedomain.com forward slash donate also means the world to me thank you so much and listen i'll probably wait till after christmas for this i had a conversation with a guy Ugh, it's the first time first time in 15 years i'm putting a trigger warning on a show because it's really dark stuff but it's really really powerful stuff i'll put that out over the next day or two and um yeah have yourself a very merry christmas lots of love from up here thank you so much for continuing to be interested to share like subscribe support the show i really really appreciate that and um have yourself a um very merry christmas i'm uh, maybe gonna put out a song in a little bit as well i did record a bit of a christmas song because i do like to sing once in a while so have yourself uh, a great great evening a very very merry christmas and i'll talk to you soon